Well, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Ted, Michael, it is season three of this podcast, albeit last year was a wacky year in college football, specifically the Pac-12, but this year we are back. Media days are over. Training camp is rolling. Ted, you're working the Olympics. Michael, you finished the NBA Finals. We just got done with media days. So before we get to it all, I got to ask, how was the summer? I've missed you. How you doing, Ted? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, yo, this is wonderful to be back uh, in a new setting. We were so fired up because we love the pack. It's It's got a new vibe to it this year, which we'll touch on. Um, so it's great to be in a place where we hope more people will be exposed to the incredible knowledge that you bring. And hopefully I can contribute a little bit in the knowledge part. But we missed Michael last year. We were way short on humanity. And it was just I felt inhuman last year. So, Michael, we're so glad to have you back. I wish you hadn't used the word exposed, Ted, but um, hopefully <laughs> hopefully, I'll do all right with a bigger audience. But uh, my summer, a recent summer, has been uh, giant pretzels and deer district and uh, the Bucks. And it was, it was quite a scene. It was quite a scene in Milwaukee about a week ago. So um, anyway, it's, uh, I'm ready for summer with the family coming up, but I'm, I'm very excited about the podcast uh, this year and getting back to games in college football this year is going to be incredible. Amen. Bank games, fans in person. And we're really excited about this podcast as well because we got news. As you know, fellas, our listeners are about to hear. We're now part of the Field of 12 Media Network, which is a shoot your shot production. The same people that brought you the Field of 68 Media Network. Um, they're really cool. Uh, you've been around college basketball. You know this group. You know this platform. And now we're going to bring you the best in Pac-12 alongside them and their other partners in Power 5 college football. Uh, so really excited about that. And it's presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. So with that, um, a lot of news has happened over <laughs> the last couple of weeks. And really in the Pac-12, you can say the last couple of months, we've got a new commissioner, George Klyovkov. He just presented at most recently uh, the media days. He's begun his listening tour, which is going around to every institution, talking to ADs, players, anybody who's around, he said he wants a meeting with them. Uh, Michael, you and I had a chance to spend some time with him at Media Days. I'll start with you. Uh, what's your takeaway? And then, Ted, what have you heard around uh, George Klyovkov and his impact on this league? Uh, well, I'd say, number one, just meeting him for a few minutes at the uh, coach's dinner, which he renamed the coach's dinner from the commissioner dinner, which tells you a lot about him right there. Um, he just, it was, you felt like you know, sometimes you're a big group like that. And you're like, is this guy, you know, he wants to move on to the next guy, but you didn't feel that you felt like he was engaged with you and wanted to know what I did. We had a little chuckle over. I also work with Bill Walton on the basketball side. So he's said he had a few stories about Bill for me later on. So we'll have some fun with that, but that was great. And then I, how do you put it? Yogi graduate level. I thought yeah. his Q and a at the press conference at media day was graduate level. He answered and corrected questions um, without being mean-spirited or taking a shot at the person asking them. I think he was level-headed and, you know, seemed to have all the answers, but didn't seem to make you feel like he wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. It was a, it was a great feel in his Q&A watching it, and I was really excited that this is our new leader. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Michael, because obviously I was not able to be there. I did meet George a couple of years ago at a basketball media day function and my takeaway from 
20, 30 minutes or so was exactly what I've heard, what you just said, Michael, is that he's personable and he comes across as someone willing to listen and engage. I think it's very, at least I want to be very clear in, in saying this, having worked in team sports for a long, long time and having been around a ton of moving of management of GMs, coaches, et cetera. Um, I understand their sensitivity involved. And look, when, when an organization changes, you change to find something different, something different than what you had. That's why you change. Uh, when Larry Scott was hired as commissioner, the PAC 10 at the time was looking for different things. And now the same thing has happened in 2021. And what I've taken away, and I wasn't there in person, so Michael and Yogi, you guys chime in on this, was a very clear commitment from the new commissioner to say, look, we want to win in the two sports that are driving college athletics right now. Football is really driving and in the passenger seat is men's basketball. And we're going to do what we need to do to win. And I think there have been a lot of folks in our conference that have been starving to hear that. Um, and, and again, having heard secondhand these comments from George about that, it reminds me so very much of Mike Trangisi. And I had a chance to work for the Big East Conference for two years back when. But I, in those two years, you know, was privy to a lot of things. And I know one thing that Mike Trangisi did when the, the Big East was, was, was basketball driven and football was just starting. But he would go to the basketball coaches and say, OK, guys. You guys are going to play twice every year. Like John Thompson, you and Jim Baham are going to play twice every year. You may only play, um, you know, somebody else once, but you guys are going to play twice because TV wants it. Is it fair? Probably not. We don't care. It's what TV wants and they're paying us. And that's embracing reality. So my, again, my point is that when I hear what the new commissioner has said, I'm hearing echoes to me of what Mike Trangisi did when the Big East was the dominant basketball league. You understand what drives your business and you're doing what's best because what drives the business is going to be what's best for the entire conference membership. Yeah, that's well said. I'm going to get back to that in a second, Ted, around the biggies because there's a little parallel, I think, to college football uh, regarding that. But I think first on, on George K., our commissioner, I'll tell you this. Uh, I sat in a meeting with him and head coaches. I talked to players who'd been around him uh, and talked to a lot of coaches off the record, offset on the Pac-12 networks. And the resounding vibe was the same thing, which is, man, I'm really excited about this guy, really sharp. Oh my God, we see the vision really clearly um, with where this league is going, where it needs to go. I mean, think of the first 20, Media Day was July 27th. That's his 27th day on the job. So within 27 days, he had NIL, he has conference realignment. Um, and he didn't flinch. And I think the coaches have really embraced that. I know they're really excited. Uh, I remember talking to David Shaw and he said, I don't really know. Him, but man, after the time with them, I'm really excited about the vision of this league. And I think all of us would agree, David, is the conscience of college football and our conference. Uh, so, so that was incredible. Uh, I, I think the, the new one of the newsworthy elements that came out that We'll eventually get get buried, but I think it was critical what he decided to do was around NIL. Remember, his first day, he wrote an open letter to the student athletes. He's all for that. What he said was players, if they sign a deal with company X, that company can now license Pac-12 footage of that player for their marketing deals. So he's saying, you're balling on our fields. You want to use footage of you catching a touchdown, Britton Covey or Keaton Slovis who just signed with LeBron James's agency? Go ahead. License it. We'll treat you like a pro in that regard. Uh, nobody's done that in college athletics. That, that, to me, is the vision. And when you look at coming from launching Hulu or the Major League Baseball app or working at MGM with all the big brands and entertainment, 
Uh, this guy is, I think, really good for the time we are right now in Pac-12 athletics and Pac-12 football. And Yogi, I think that's great. Very quickly, I, I, we brushed on this a little bit, but I've done my own little informal survey here while I'm working the Olympics. I, I just ask a lot of people I work with who are college football fans. Do you, you know, what do you hear about NIL? Do you guys care about NIL? 100% no. They don't care. What they do, what the impact is, how it impacts recruiting. Yeah. Now, that's what people, you know, people listening to this, fans care about. So what you just pointed out, Yogi, that to me, that's the first thing I hear. That's a huge recruiting plus for the conference coaches. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. Um, within that, I, I was a part of the Big East, Ted, when the Big East uh, fell apart. Seemingly, I think it was like 11 hours. All of a sudden, Miami was gone. Vatek was gone. Was it your C fault, Yogi? Gone. <laughs> I, I definitely did. No, not at all. Okay. I was lucky that Ted like called some of my games back in the day with like Todd Blackledge when you were calling Big East games. Uh, but we're, we're seeing this happen in college football. I think what was really cool about being around all the coaches, all the ADs um, is there's there's a strength right now. of Pac-12 is in a really good position, right? Where we're located, the brands, the markets, the market value, the media. I think with everything happening in college football, I, I came out of media days really confident about the direction that the Pac-12 ends up deciding to go in. And, and we're not going to pick teams for the sake of picking teams. That's what George K. said regarding if we even want to expand. So I, I think it's a really exciting time. And his leadership to me is a is one that fits at a beautiful time within the league. Well, and one other note from the press conference, he pointed out it doesn't have to be football, basketball, or Olympic. It's not A or B. Both can still be successful. And I think there's a notion out there that you're either great at Olympic sports or you're great at basketball and football. And he put that to rest really quickly. And I thought that was important because obviously the Olympic sports are a huge factor with the Pac-12 currently and historically. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing it. Conference of champions. I'm hearing yeah. it. <laughs> Let's go. Hey. Hey, I'm living it. I, we're living it out here. You look at already. I mean, by the time people listen uh, to this and watch this, the Olympics will be over. But we've already had a heck of a performance by uh, some Pac-12 athletes. I saw a diver from the U of A win a silver medal. So bear down, Delaney Schnell. I was, uh, it was very cool for she has been incredibly, incredibly expansive about the support she's felt from Tucson, from the U of A family. Uh, you know, that's so if you're University of Arizona, that's the thing you play up. And this is this is the spirit we have here because this diver is just raving about that. That's awesome. And uh, we're going to get to University of Arizona, Jed Fish in the south. But first, I want to start in the north. Oregon picked to win the league again. It goes Oregon. UW gets two of the 40 votes that were cast. Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State uh, is the order in the north. I kind of want to give a quick hitter. Uh, a takeaway from each one. And, and Ted, I, I'd love your reaction. And Michael, you, you were mingling with the players and the coaches throughout all of Media Day uh, as we kind of rip through the North and then uh, we'll, we'll go through the South and we'll get you out of here on this podcast with, with Michael and Ted. So let, let's start with Oregon. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had was how impressive Kayvon Thibodeau is. I mean, this dude, he's not a guy that just looks the part or just talks the part. He works the part. I mean, and he's got such a vision, Ted. I, I remember meeting him in high school at the opening, which is kind of the premier high school football event. I mean, he, he looked like Willie McGinnis then. He's got that ability 
I had talked to Tim DeRuiter and Mario Cristobal about him, where they're going to play him, how excited he is to rush the passer and play in this you know, new hybrid type of position under Tim DeRuiter, the new DC at Oregon. And then to be around him, he was talking about uh, staying focused, not chasing short money, trying to go be the best player in the country, um, as well as somebody who represents the league and go get another ring. It, it, it was literally one of the more impressive humans I've been around it. I think this was my ninth Pac-12 Media day, Ted. Where do you see this guy? I mean, looks the part, acts the part, talks the part, and as we know, plays the part. Okay. First of all, the opponents know they're going to block him this year, right? Yes, <laughs> they do. Like, <laughs> not like the championship game. Block the guy, okay? Yeah. Good <laughs> you luck. You may need two, but block yeah. him. Um, so, Yogi, tell me as a player, they had, uh, obviously, back-to-back years, they had guys, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, who were, were outstanding players. Buckner was really, I think, more of a dominant college player, but both have had and will have long pro careers. Where's Thibodeau in the comp to those two? Uh, I think he's one of the better players. I, I, I think he's higher than them. I think he's a legit right. number one overall. What's great is that uh, he used a quote from DeForest Buckner. He said he, he taught me, he was a speaker at Oregon a couple weeks ago, and he said, if you focus on your future blessings, you'll miss the blessings right in front of you. And th- that's Kayvon, right? We've been around guys that are premier dudes coming into the season, number one pick, especially defensive players. Uh, this guy sounded like a quarterback in terms of his focus, in terms of his leadership, in terms of how he's challenging Anthony Brown, how he talked about Anthony Brown, the starting quarterback. Uh, he's He sounds like a number one pick. He sounds like a franchise player. To me, when he's done, he's going to be – Michael Strahan slash Willie McGinnis, whatever he wants to do in the media, uh, but with a real focus about him. And and as Mario said from jump, he goes, he's a five-star recruit, but he's a five-star work ethic guy. And and I just believe it after spending some time with him. Hmm. I, I think he's going to – I think he's the face of the league. I think he should be the face of the league. And I think he's got a chance to be the face of college football this year because it doesn't have a lot of star power as we get into training camp into the season. So heading into the year, in your view, is he the player of the year in the conference? Yeah, and and it's a no-brainer. No-brainer. I mean, I Both sides of the ball, I'm saying. Player of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's that disruptive. He ruins games. And if and if anybody wants to question that, just watch the last two Pac-12 title games. <laughs> you know, ask Keenan <laughs> yes. Slovis. It was interesting. Ashley Adamson interviewed uh, all the players that came to media day, and she asked the offensive guys what it was like to go against him, specifically some of the O-linemen. And it, it was interesting because they all gave him such praise. And, you know, that very rarely happens when you're talking about somebody you have to play against. Yeah. And that's the that's the dream for every coach is to have. Or for example, on I remember watching when we were getting ready for the Heisman Bowl. And I remember watching Saquon Barkley at Penn State. And I watched two games and all I saw was that everywhere Saquon Barkley moved on offense and he shifted, he did like four defenders shifted. So that clearly it was just, we're doing everything around him. I'm, that's the dream, right? When you have a player like Thibodeau, that's going to force the offense to know on every waking second on the field, where is number five? Yeah. Amen. All right. So let, let's go to UW for the sake of time. Uh, it was my favorite moment. I mean, Michael, I, I don't think this is going to be your humanity moment of the week. We're going to get to that at the end of the show. But the humanity moment to me of Media Day was Trent McDuffie. Uh, he and I spent time prior to the Media Day talking about media training, about his story. And he goes, hey, I want to share uh, something really personal. And I said, sure, let's talk about it. And he had lost his brother when he was in eighth grade. His brother was 21. He died of a heart attack, Tyler. He goes, I've never talked about it. 
And he got on set with us on the Pac-12 Networks and voiced it for the first time. And this is a guy who just is beginning to unearth himself. And I think we're reminded that these players we see make so many plays with a helmet on. When you take the helmet off, Ted, you do a great job at the Olympics of it, right? And Michael, you're in the NBA coverage of it. They've got a soul underneath them. And I, I just love that Trent McDuffie, who I think is a first-round corner as well, uh, shared some of that with us heading into the heading into the season. So pretty brave to do yeah. that. Yeah, Live a TV. lot of courage. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I think the other two, I think for for, for Michael, you were uh, around Justin Wilcox, you're around David Shaw uh, and their players, right? Thomas Booker, as impressive as the guys you're going to find, Michael Wilson, Chase Garbers, Coin Dang, another guy who said his dream was to be the first South, first South Sudanese football player ever in the NFL. What did you notice about the two Bay Area schools during media days? Well, I mean, you notice that every time you go to either of those schools and talk to the players, how incredibly intelligent and the perspective they have beyond just football um and you're you're impressed every time now that's a product of those two schools obviously um but i i think i think the i think the intelligence and the perspective of those players always what get gets me when i visit stanford or cal for sure and i think uh, it's funny i think that tough physical play that's always been traditionally Stanford is starting probably under with Justin Wilcox and company starting to get, make its way to Cal. And I think that's the difference I've seen in the Cal, the Cal perspective the last year or two is players seem a bit tougher and a bit edgier. And I think that's, you know, I think they could surprise a little bit this year. All right. So Ted, what, what are you hearing? And I, I feel like my vibe on Stanford is picked fourth, they played as well as anybody at the end of the season last year. They got to replace a quarterback. Well, we saw Tanner McKee. I think we both think he looked pretty impressive in the spring. You live in that area. I, yeah, I, I'll tell you, what, we, we had a chance. Those are the two spring games, actually, I had a chance to see live for Pac-12 Network where Cal and Stanford, there were bookends. Um, you know, Cal, we understand, you know, lost a significant player in Johnson on the defensive line. Then Michael Safel deciding not to play football, um, you know, that – clearly going to force Justin Wilcox to make a move on the offensive line, losing that experience. But, you know, Cal, I think had expectation last year and last year was just a, a year. You have to just wipe away that expectation will carry into this year. I sensed from Stanford when uh, we were there for the spring game at the end of spring, I sensed uh, from David very quiet uh, last year was an aberration. And uh, actually, when I say last year, I mean 2019, the last real full season was an aberration. We've been way too good, and we're not going to be that way again. That was not Stanford, and we're going to be back and be Stanford. Now, how many wins that translates to, that's just a guesswork. You referenced starting with the quarterback spot where they're going to break in somebody new, likely the key to start. But I wouldn't sell Stanford short on that vibe, and that's something It's intangible. Can't define it, can't put it into analytics but I just sense that, you know, there is that determination that that 2019 won't happen again. Yes, I'm going to concur with that. Uh, Oregon State, Wazoo rounded out in the north. I, I think for Oregon State, what's exciting is Sam Neuer was an all-conference quarterback, and now he's on their roster. And in my opinion, I think he's going to be the guy there. He's rehabbing some injuries. Tristan Jebbia has rehabbed injuries. Uh, Chance Nolan was there. They've got freshman Sam Vidlak. Those four will battle it out, but I think Sam has the edge. And now here comes 
maybe QB run game. Here comes a competitive edge to him. So, so look out for Oregon State. I can't wait to see them play Purdue. All right, we'll get into the schedule as we get into this podcast, but that is a huge opener for that program. And then for Washington State, some sad news. Uh, Renard Bell, who we've grown to love, announces that he tears his ACL, so he will be out for the season. Uh, but sitting next to Max Borg and Jihad Woods, I, I asked him point blank, fellas, uh, did you see the media poll? And they said, oh, yeah, we've seen it. And I've heard from many people within that program that they feel it's as tight as it's ever been. They've obviously dealing with some scrutiny and some adversity, so we'll, we'll, we'll be excited to see how that one shakes out with the Cougs at six. Um, most right, we... Yogi, most right. under, I think, the player that I sense can shock this year's Max Borden. I don't know what's happened. He's sort of, to me, he's been overlooked there a little bit, and he's he's good. He is good. I just you asked me to say one player that's going to rise up and and you know not 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 stunned. I'm not sure what the right word is, but reestablish this year's Max Borden. That that kid in person is huge. By the way, <laughs> on the field, he looks like this little kid. Yeah. Oh my god! I was like, I would not want to try to tackle him. No, that's he's, the, he's that's a big the McCaffrey dude. comp, right? Yeah, yeah. he's a big he's dude. Thicker. The other thing, I can't believe we've gotten this far without Ted's thoughts on media polls in general, but we don't have time for that right now. But <laughs> no, that's always a gem. <laughs> that's right. We got the Olympics we're going to get to here in yep. a minute. Um, all right, so before we get to the South, um, I want to let you know about Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet, Bet Rivers is offering 250 bucks match bonus for your first deposit. But what we think sets them apart from everyone else, they require just one playthrough to turn that bonus into cash and they've got a new rush pay instant approval so withdrawals are not only fast they're safe secure and reliable so check them out betrivers.com or download the bet rivers ios app reminder got to be 21 years or older if you have an issue with gambling please call 1-800-GAMBLER so uh we just kind of rolled through that uh so let's talk about the south and in the south usc 27 first place votes Utah, six. ASU, six. UCLA had one. Uh, one of the three of us voted for UCLA in that one. Uh, and we all know who wow. has a vote in that regard. Good uh, job, Michael. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do Michael. not have a vote. <laughs> Colorado and Arizona rounded out. Uh, USC is always picked in this regard, Ted. To me, the top four teams, you could flip a coin, uh, to be quite honest with you when you look at that. All right. Well, look, let's, let's hit the elephant in the room here. Uh, and I'm interested because, again, you, both of you were there. Look, ASU's dealing now for the first time. You know, they've had they've had pretty much a love fest since Herm Edwards got there because Herm is just a magnetic personality and the quality staff he has around him, Marvin Lewis, you know, et cetera. Now there's scrutiny, big-time scrutiny. So what did you, both of you, being there in person, take away from how that may impact their season? You know, I, I've talked to the players and Herm. Obviously, they're not making comments on ongoing investigations, but you ask them about the vibe of the team and how is it going? I mean, it's been called into question. And they said it's as tight as ever. And this is a real veteran unit. I was there in spring. We're going to call their opener on the Pac-12 Networks. We can't take, wait to get there. We'll get there for practice the week before. That's all been approved and greenlit, fellas. Uh, but in that regard, uh, I feel a, a tighter focus and a back-against-the-wall mentality. Now, I don't believe that back-against-the-wall can win a championship. I think it can motivate you for a while. Uh, but I've, I've always felt this team had the tools this year to win a championship. So I, I can't wait to watch them play. Their schedule, as we know, is set up really well for them to take a run 
at this thing, uh, starting with our game. They get UNLV. They go to BYU. I mean, their crossover games aren't crazy, and their non-con games aren't crazy. But my vibe was that this team said, okay, let's just, let's just tighten up and let's go do what we need to do. Michael? I think being picked third is going to motivate them as well. It seemed like that to me. Where does Jaden Daniels stand to you, Yogi? Rank him among the quarterbacks coming into this season in conference. Yeah, so it was really fun because we had he, Jaden, and Dorian on set at the same time, uh, as you guys saw on the Pac-12 Networks. And it was really fun to just let, watch those guys have some fun with one another, but also to size them up, right? Stand back to back. And Jaden's got a chance. I think to, all three of those guys have a chance to play themselves into – early draft picks, right? First, second round draft picks. And to me, Jaden's freshman year uh, was incredible. Last year, he said his issue was trust with his receiver. So I asked him point blank, hey man, how, what, what's the deal? Like, what's it like? And he goes, I've never felt more confident. The work me and these one-time young receiving core has put in uh, is, is one that I think is going to allow us to have a lot of success in the passing game. But to answer your question, uh, to me, it's been Dorian. He's the guy and Dorian, Keaton, Jaden. And it's not, it's to me, it's very, it, it's like a hair between the three of them. But the way Dorian played last year and how I saw him this summer, he was a counselor at the Elite 11. Uh, physically, I think he's the most gifted. And that's why I gave UCLA a nod. I was going to say that that's the reason that your, your vote to UCLA is largely rooted, I would think, in, in your belief in DTR. 12 turnovers. They had 13 turnovers last year, and 12 of them were in all their losses, right? So if, if they can protect the ball, they're going to run it. They got Zach Charbonnet, one of the better backs I think will become in the conference. Uh, I like their defense. If Dorian can be that guy, then then look out for, for this team. And we get them week three. We get their Fresno State game. Can't wait to see After it. they defeat – aren't you on the record there, yes. Yogi? Yeah. After they defeat yeah. LSU at the sold-out Rose Bowl? I look forward to it because I think what Chip does schematically, and David Shaw said it, he goes, he changed the game of college football at Oregon. And I think when you watch him last year and how he sets teams up, when he is the talent, and I think they have it this year, they don't turn it over. I think they're going to be in that game. I think it's going to be an awesome crowd. And I think it's a pivotal moment, of course. I think it will become the moment for Chip Kelly and for everybody who's not on the bandwagon. Uh, and I think they'll start off 2-0 this season and get their first two non-conference games under Chip Kelly as well. Yeah. And, I, and that's for the conference too, if they can win that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a great point you raise, Yogi, because that's something with the, when you hear coaches talk about other coaches, that's always resonated with me. And I know going back to when Chip Kelly had his one year as coach of the San Francisco 49ers, he would go to St watch Stanford practices. And David Shaw has told me in others, many other settings, how much he has admired Chip for the reasons you just outlined. It's, it, that's a sincere um, admiration, again, from a guy, David Shaw, that we all respect his, his football wisdom. Yeah. All right, so quick hitters here. Um, SC, the, the favorite. I think their schedule sets up to do well. They got the best duo. I went through it last night. They have the best duo of quarterback and receiver in the country, and we need to keep talking about this in Keaton Slovis and Drake London. They just are. I mean, find a more dominant duo. The good news for Keaton and the reason I don't have him one at QB now is because he was banged up last year. His shoulder, his elbow as a freshman, his shoulder as a sophomore. He said he's never felt better. Drake said that now his hands are hurting every time he catches it. I can't wait to get to practice and watch this guy deal because um, he's got that ability. And physically, Michael, didn't he look 
looked like a real dude. I mean, he didn't look like a freshman. His body looked like a star NFL type quarterback, a guy you could see playing on Sundays. Schedule wise, something Mike Chungisi never would put up with. They miss Oregon and Washington. Um, (laughs) And interestingly (laughs) enough, every game's a Saturday. I think that's, I think in this day of Thursday, what day am I playing? I think that's an advantage as well. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Uh, Utah, they got a lot of play. I can't wait to see Charlie Brewer. Britton Covey comes back. I think Devin Lloyd is the best backer in the last decade. Utah, Kyle Whittingham said he's the best one he's ever seen. Kyle's been there almost 30 years at Utah. Yeah. Was a wait a minute. Big... Did I just so, hear... so is Britton. No. Did I say, <laughs> did I just hear something? Britton Covey's retired from producing our podcast? <laughs> yeah, I didn't he's know just that. a listener. He's just a fan now. You know, he's just a listener. <laughs> Uh, oh, we love it. All right. So so on that note, uh, before we get to uh, a moment that I know the listeners have come to love, I want to let you know a little bit about the Field of 12 Media Network. It's a brand new podcast and digital company covering college football by people that know it really well. Uh, it's brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks who created the Field of 68. Uh, so this new platform is going to give you insight into the game. It's going to be cool around the country, too, because Trevor Knight, our friend Bryce Petty from Baylor, they're covering the Big 12. And we got you on the Pac-12. So you got all the links below to find the rest of our shows. You can see it on every platform. Uh, so, so it's going to be really fun as we get going into this. And, and Michael, to tee you up here, um, you've done this for the last two years whenever you've come on. You've had the humanity moment of the week where we take the helmet off. And as a producer, you've got the eye to see it. Uh, set us up the vision for this year and that moment. And what is it in our first episode of 2021? Well, first of all, I'm a rare producer who never wanted to be an announcer. So I don't I've, I've enjoyed this because it's given me perspective on what you guys do. And that's kind of why I do this, because it I think by allowing to get a little bit inside of what you guys do, it helps me be a better producer. But I'm not going to quit my day job. That's number one. Um, but I think the purpose of it is to try to give a little context and perspective on a moment, something we see, something that happened. Uh, across the country, something that happened driving my daughters to uh, ballet class. It doesn't always have to be sports because I don't think I think life is more than sports. So that's kind of the setup um, for basically what we'll see each week. But my humanity moment of for this podcast was what I saw at Media Day. And it wasn't the news of the day, which was realignment and our new leadership and who's picked on the North and the South. The story of the day was watching people get back to community and connection. And I saw it all day long. Ted, you you guys have been at these media days. It's people running around, barely even connecting. All it was, was connection. Like you looked to your left, you looked to your right. People that probably never would have spoken to each other were standing right next to each other, having long conversations, Nobody walked by anybody in the hallway without stopping. And, and granted, we replaced, you know, fist bumps or uh, we, we were fist bumping instead of hugging because we we're still wearing the mask. But it was the simplest thing was eye contact. And, you know, we sort of have eye contact right now, but Zoom doesn't really give you that. And, you know, your parents told you growing up, always look Mr. or Mrs. Someone in the eye. And no reminder was needed the other day, immediate day for that. Everybody was staring at each other, just craving that eye contact and that connection. It was really, it was cool to see. Now the bean counters and the techies will tell you, maybe we don't need that anymore. We can all work from home. We can sit in our office and 
never interact, but for humanity and for a human, I can tell you it is absolutely necessary. And I am thrilled to be back out on the road for another season of college football. I missed it so much. I missed our team. I miss being there and we miss the fans and September 2nd, here they come. ASU's coming on the field. The fans are going to go crazy. And it's our task to bring that connection that we're going to get by being there Friday, Saturday, talking to players, talking to fans, being on the scene. And we're going to share that with the audience. And that's our task. And there's no greater challenge. There's nothing I love to do more. So I'm thrilled and excited, but to bring connection and community to people at home and to be part of it again. Well, that is dead. I'm sorry, but that's the best thing that was said on the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that question. I'm, I'm, I'm so stunned in the wisdom. <laughs> wow. Where's that? Uh, Where have you been hiding that for 20 years? I've, I've had a little time off, <laughs> sort of. And it's, it's funny, and, and I'll just punctuate because that was brilliant, Michael. But uh, being in Connecticut, as I am, as we speak, this is the only time I'll be doing the, the pod this way. But uh, we have, I don't know, there's 1,500 people here, I think calling the Olympics from Connecticut 7,000 miles away. And look, you can call the sport. We could do that, but you can't call the Olympics from there. There's no way you can replicate the aura, the spirit, the vibe of being on site. You can't do it. So yes, you can call competition. We've all done it for 16 months, right? So many of us from varied locations, but that spirit, or as Michael would say, the humanity can't do it. Yeah, well said, guys. Community connection. Uh, that pod, this podcast is going to be a lot about a lot of those two things. Uh, there's so much going on in the league. We're going to get to Arizona, where Jed Fish has cultivated a community. We're going to get there for camp. We have them week two. We'll get to Colorado as well. Talk about the community and how Boulder has really fallen in love with everything Carl Durrell is doing as we wrap up the South. And we got you covered. If you love Pac-12 football. There is no better place to hear from us every single week as we get rolling throughout the season. We talk about teams, players, schemes, and as Michael said, the humanity within the sport that we all love. So, fellas, we appreciate you. I'm excited about this new platform for this podcast and look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, guys. Good being with you. I love it. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.